If you would tonight, take your Bibles and turn with me in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number 4, Matthew chapter number 4. We're going to be looking here in God's Word, Matthew chapter number 4, and we'll begin our reading in verse number 12, Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 12. The Bible says in Matthew 4 verse 12, now... When Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee, and leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast in the borders of Zabulon and Nephthalim, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zabulon and the land of Nephthalim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light, And to them which sat in the region and shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter, and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men." And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria. And they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. Will you look with me in verse number 19 tonight? The Bible says Jesus looking at Simon called Peter and Andrew's brother. In verse 19, He saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Many times I've heard this passage of Scripture preached on, and it's very appropriate to take this verse of Scripture and preach on soul winning and being a soul winner. And uh, I want to be a soul winner. And I like to go soul winning. But I find something in this passage of Scripture that I think is very important and something that we must take to heart as the followers of Christ, Christian people with a burden to see the lost come to faith in Jesus. You will never become a fisher of men by yearning in your guts to be a fisher of men. You will never be an effective witness to the lost if your only burden is to be a witness to the lost. If you'll stick with me just a minute, I think it'll be very clear. You'll never be able to see God change the lives of the people that you're so burdened for. When I gave the testimony and we sang the song, I Can Pray, how many of you had someone on your heart that God put in your heart and mind. How many of you have somebody like that? Me too. I've tried and tried and 
Lord, what can I do to help bring them back to you? And some of us have this idea, and it's okay. It's, a, it's, it's natural to be motivated to go after the prize and get what you want and see that life change, to see that soul saved, to see the world impacted. But Jesus makes something very plain to the disciples when he calls them to be fishers of men. We see an equation here, 1 plus 1 equals 2. 2 plus 2 equals 4. The equation is this. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. There is a sequence of events. The ultimate end produces the opportunity to be a fisher of men. But it doesn't begin by with all of your might determining to be a fisher of men. It begins with a very simple move, not toward men, not toward an end goal. It begins with a very simple move to become a follower of Christ. Unfortunately, I've seen lots of people who scream from the rooftops, I'm a soul winner, I'm a soul winner, I'm a soul winner. But you can tell by their spirit that they do not love Jesus. And they do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I'll have you know something. If you take away follower of Christ, you cannot possibly be a fisher of men. And you have a burden for someone in your family. You have a burden for someone in your life. And you say, Lord, I want to be a blessing. I want to help. I want to change their life. I want to bring them and help them come to Christ. I want to be a fisher of men. I want you to understand something. The missing link to seeing the change occur in their life may not be the, the fact that you... It, it's not that you don't have a burden for them to change. The missing link is that perhaps... You've not made the goal of your Christian life to be just that, a follower of Christ. Jesus says, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. If you'd like to be a fisher of men, your pursuit must be to become and be a faithful follower of Christ. This message is so simple. But it's so helpful and it helps me. It's something that the Lord's used in my heart in the last few weeks. And I want to share it with you. Number one is very simple, follow me. Now what did Jesus say? What did He want the disciples to do in order to become fishers of men? The very men that God will use to shake the whole world. Uh, the founders of even our church. Uh, he said, follow me. The Bible says in our text, verse number 19, He saith unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. I want to ask you this question. What does following Jesus look like? Some people have a misconception of what following Jesus looks like. I've met folks who have gotten saved or made a decision in a meeting, and they thought, oh, wow, now that, I've, now that I'm a follower of Christ, everything's going to be hunky-dory wonderful. How many of you like that word, hunky-dory? Do you ever use that one, preacher? You should use that. It's in the Greek New Testament, I'm pretty sure. Everything's going to be great. Wow! It's going to be wonderful. But how many of you realized and found out pretty quick that just because you got saved doesn't mean that all the burdens roll away or gone? There's trouble to face. What does following Jesus look like? 
Some people feel like that if we follow Jesus, we shouldn't have any problems. Some people feel like if we follow Jesus, then we should get random checks in the mail on a regular basis, and we should have all kinds of benefit and blessing all the time. Money, money, money. No. Ask Jesus what following Jesus looks like. Ask Peter a little bit later, and James and John, what following Jesus looks like. The Apostle Paul, ask him what following Jesus looks like. And it's not... Money in the mail, makeup on the face, the finest of suits on the local television station. What's following Jesus look like? Well, Jesus gives us a shot and gives us a good idea what it looks like right here in the text. Look at it in verse number 12. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. Let me just start here. Number one. Uh, following Jesus involves some wisdom. We're to be harmless as doves and wise as serpents. It requires some wisdom. And Jesus exercised wisdom in his ministry. What did he do here? It's fascinating. He had heard that John the Baptist, John his cousin, who had just recently baptized him, was been, had been cast in prison by a man named Herod. So what does Jesus do? When his next move is not straight into where Herod and things are upset and things aren't going just right, his first move is towards Galilee. He goes to Galilee. He doesn't go towards Herod. Following Jesus requires a certain amount of wisdom. May God help us not to just be foolish. Followers of Christ should exercise wisdom. Followers of Christ should be people that have good horse sense. Following Christ requires wisdom. Following Christ, what's it look like? It requires and includes grit and faith. Now what did Jesus do here? The Bible says in our text, verse number 12, Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. When when he heard that his cousin John was cast into prison, what did he do? Go somewhere and suck his thumb and quit doing what God called him to do? What did he do? Go get his feelings hurt? Because he goes, fields hurting, nobody loves me, everybody hates me, I think I'm going to die. No, that's not what the Spirit of Christ. Christ continued His work. When things were difficult, He continued His work. When things weren't easy, He continued His work. Following Christ, you know what it includes? Grit and faith. I'll just tell you some of the biggest crybabies I've ever met in my life call themselves men in Baptist churches. You've had these conversations. I'm getting personal, I know, but it happens. It doesn't hurt to hear about it. And if you're guilty, ask God to help you with it. Men in Baptist churches. I've been in preaching country churches and not so country churches where there's men on this side of the room that will not speak to men on that side of the room. And if you were to get down to brass tacks and find out what happened, it's probably over a cow or a blade of grass or a, I mean, it's something silly. He looked at me funny one time. And they call themselves men. Mighty macho. These are the kind of guy they don't wash their hands before they eat. I mean, they don't, they don't clean up out of their They call their wife woman. And they're, I mean, but they're upset over the most foolish, silly things. They get angry about this or that. I have looked at your chandeliers. I can't help but tell this joke. This is, this is macho Christianity right here on display. You heard about the church, the country church. They, they decided in the regular business meeting they wanted to get a chandelier. 
And there was one particular deacon in the church that rarely came to deacon's meetings and attended to business unless they were going to spend some money. And he got word that he was going to buy a chandelier. So the meeting came up and the floor was open for comment. And the old man stood up and he said, I want to just tell you something. I don't think we need to buy us no chandelier. And I got a couple good reasons. Number one, if we was to buy us a chandelier, there ain't nobody in this church knows how to spell it so we could order it out of the catalog. Number two, what we really need in this church is some more lights. <laughs> Silly. I've met ladies that have allowed some circumstance. It hurts. I mean, these issues, people issues hurt, don't they? Well, they've let a, a people issue that should have been forgiven and forgotten and forsaken, talked out, conversated about. Some people swallow their pride. They've let it hurt them. Now Jesus, his cousin John the Baptist who had just prepared the way for him, he was put in prison and Jesus is God in the flesh and he knows that in just a few days he'll lose his noble head. And what does Jesus do? He gets up and keeps doing the will of God. Hey look, following Jesus includes grit and faith. Knowing that God is going to meet that need. Giving God the burdens of our heart. Giving God the burdens of the people problems and the things that are perturbing and bring about issue. You see, what's following Jesus look like? Not a bunch of crybabies worried about material, unimportant things that make no difference for eternity. Following Jesus looks like, hey, it's tough right now, but I'm going to get up and I'm going to serve God. And I'm going to move forward and I'm going to do what God's calling. Yeah, I'm discouraged. Yes, I'm disappointed. Yes, it's difficult. And I found out so many times, those times when I feel like just laying down and giving up, if I'll just get up one more time, I meet, I am met every time by the grace of God and the power of God and the blessing of God and the Spirit of God. You see, it's not about me anyway. It's not about me somehow being the greatest fisher of men that ever lived. I can't change anybody's life. I'm just a country boy from Chilhowee, Virginia. I can't change anybody's life. But I've met somebody when I got saved at eight years old. His name is Jesus, and he can change everybody's life. And if I'll follow him, guess what happens? I get the opportunity to become a fisher of men. Following Christ includes grit and faith. Following Christ includes courage. Verse number 13. The Bible says, and leaving Nazareth, that was home. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast in the borders of Zabulon and Nephilim. The Bible says in verse number 15, it's the land of Zabulon, the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. Now, when Jesus went to Capernaum, he went somewhere that was out of his comfort zone. This is September 11th, and I honor the men and women who faithfully serve our country and our first responders. 
And I can't hardly talk about 9-11 without getting choked up. I'm reminded of 9-11 because I got called to do something uh, on September the 12th. I was, had just finished my freshman year in college. I was madly in love with Ruth. And uh, she was wondering about me. But September 11th happened. I was sitting in Bible doctrines class and Ed Reese, uh, the author of the famous Reese, Reese Chronological Bible, came into our classroom and he said, I hate to interrupt the class, but there's been a great tragic occurrence in our country. And he told us what happened. And I remember a sickening feeling in my guts. And uh, we went through the day and saw the progression of all that happened on 9-11 and the videos of people and their lives being snuffed out by evil men. I'm from Chilhowee, Virginia. It's just a small town, country as they come. And I got a call either the evening of September 11th or the morning of September the 12th. Cody, pastor wants to send you and your quartet to New York City. We're pretty sure that you guys could go and sing at shift changes for police stations and fire halls and encourage those people. And we loaded up early on the morning of the 13th and headed to New York City. I remember pulling out of the parking lot. Now, this was serious to me. It was serious. I remember thinking, I saw Rushi waved as I left, and I thought, you know, we're going into a war zone. I thought, I may never see her again. And I, I'm, I've never been to New York City, but I remember the spirit that God put in my heart. As we pulled out and we headed to New York City, I said, this is what needs to be done, and I'm going to do it, and I'm going to go. If I can do something to help those people and help my country and represent my Savior, I'll do it. And I remember the first time we pulled in, I pulled into New, into New Jersey where you could begin to see the New York City skyline. In South Town, in Manhattan, where the trade tower stood so regally just a few months before. Ruth was on top of the trade towers in August before they fell in September. As we saw it came in in the night, the skyline in Manhattan was lit up blood red because everything was on fire. Everything was on fire. And we went and we sang at shift changes and I carried as, we carried as many gospel tracts and backpacks and American flags as we could. And everywhere we went in New York City, we were handing out American flags, handing out gospel tracts, telling people how they could know for sure that Jesus was their Savior. I led multiple people to Jesus on the streets of New York City on September the 14th. But I remember moving forward. Hey, man, this is terrible. You know what I want to do? I know that Muslims and terrorists hate Christians. I thought, you know, maybe we should just hide somewhere in the mountains. But then God boiled in my heart. An opportunity arose, and I followed Jesus. I did so not so little. But here's what Jesus did. Things are difficult. Herod's got John in prison. God is leading Jesus 
God the Father is leading Jesus and God the Son, Jesus, is obedient and He's moving forward because God wants to save the Gentiles and He leaves comfortable Nazareth and God leads Him to Galilee of the Gentiles, a place that would, for a Jewish person, it, was a, it stunk. It was full of filth and rottenness and paganism. But Jesus, what did He do? He got up and went. What's following Jesus look like? Grit and faith and wisdom and courage. And courage. I'm afraid that we're not following Jesus because we're scared to death. We're scared what they may say. We're scared what they may do. We're scared what it might make, how it might make us look. We're afraid to stand up for Jesus. Boldly proclaim our faith in Christ. What's following Jesus look like? Well, Jesus... He was full of courage. He went from Nazareth to Capernaum. What does following Jesus look like? The Bible says in verse 14, Jesus coming, He fulfilled that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, The land of Zabulon, the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea beyond Jordan, Galilee, the Gentiles, the people which sat in darkness saw great light and to them which sat in the region sprung up. When Jesus said, you know, with courage I'm going to go to Galilee, I mean to Capernaum, Galilee of the Gentiles. I'm going to go to Capernaum. When Jesus did that, the Bible says that He fulfilled a prophecy and He fulfilled the Word of God. What's following Jesus look like? I'll tell you, if you're following Jesus, you are obeying and fulfilling and you are adhering to the commands of God. Why does God tell you to do things? Because He wants to put you in bondage? <laughs> no. God tells you to do things because He wants to set you free to serve Him. Why does God tell you not to do things? How many of you love when somebody tells you no? Isn't it wonderful? Oh, I love it. I just always loved when mom said no. <laughs> I'm like, thank you, that's wonderful. And I especially love when Ruth tells me no. I don't like to be told no. Why does God tell you no? Because He likes to put you under His thumb and demean you and belittle you, make you uncomfortable. Does He tell you no because He wants to ruin your life? No. He tells you no because He knows better than you do and what He says no to, it is His intention to bless you. God says no. And the Bible says that the truth makes us free. It's the boundaries in which we act and we are free. So, what does following Jesus look like? Following Jesus fulfills the Word of God. Hey, look, if God says you shouldn't do that, then you shouldn't do that. If God says you should do that, then you should do that. Boy, isn't the preacher profound tonight. You see, following Jesus fulfills the Word of God. And when I find the promises of God in the Bible, they're for me. And when I find the prohibitions in the Bible from God, they're for me. And I find the commands of God in the Bible, guess what? They're for me. And if I am following Jesus, I am obeying and adhering to the Word of God. I'm a follower of Christ. You see, following Jesus fulfills the Word of God. Following Jesus also brings light. 
into darkness. What did the Bible say when Jesus fulfilled this prophecy in verse number 16 that Jesus did? The people which sat in darkness saw great light. And to them which sat in the region in the shadow of death, light has sprung up. What happened when Jesus did his, the will of God? When Jesus did the will of God, He fulfilled the word of God and He became a fisher of men. The people that sat in darkness, all these, guys, all these people in Capernaum, they were in darkness. They had no light. And when Jesus did the will of God, the will of His Father, when Jesus obeyed the Lord, guess what? In the darkness, light sprung up. He followed Christ. He was a fisher of men. What's following Jesus look like? Following Jesus brings light and out to darkness and dispels the shadow of death. Folks, we should be followers of Christ. We should be followers of Christ. Are you following the Lord? Have you made it your burden to allow Jesus to be Lord of your life? Are you following Jesus? Are you obeying His Word? Are you fulfilling His Word? Are you determined to be somebody that acts in wisdom and grit and faith? If you wear your feelings on your sleeve and you're miffy about this and that and everything, you're not following Christ. If you excuse yourself from the principles of the Word of God because somehow you think that you know better, you're not following Christ. And I want you to know something. If you want to help the people in your world and your family in your town, in your community, in your church that need Jesus, that need their lives altered and changed miraculously, if you're not following Jesus, you're not going to be a fisher of men. You understand? Number one, follow me. Number two, I will make you. I will make you. Now, the more I've thought about that phrase, the more I've just thought, praise the Lord. I will make you. Now, Jesus comes to Peter and John. Also, he comes to Andrew and he comes to James. All four of these guys, what are their profession? One, two, three. Fishermen, that's right. Now, if you get in your mind that they're like some type of executive fisherman, uh, you've got the wrong idea. If you've got the idea that their boat is some type of big shipping vessel with big outriggers and nets, something you saw on Alaskan fishermen or something, you're wrong. These guys, they were fishermen. Probably two men to a boat. Enough room for two people to sit in, enough, people, enough room for uh, uh, some nets that they could drag and they could bring fish in. They caught enough fish to sail to pay their bills and have something to eat. And then they went back and did the same thing day after day after day. After. They were fishermen. Now, when I see Peter, he's got leather-like skin from day after day of fishing. His largest audience so far, you see my boat out here, that's the point of the boat. Here's the end of it. His brother's right there. They're casting their net on the wrong side right now. Peter's largest audience ever was his brother on the other end of the boat. Now this is not somebody that was a public speaker or an orator. This was not somebody who was well studied in the, in the Mosaic law. He was not a Pharisee. He was not a scribe. He was a fisherman. 
He was just pounding it out, making ends meet. He was common old Joe. I identify with Peter. But Jesus looks at him and he says, Hey, follow me. I will make you. I will make you fishers of men. I love this. Verse number 18, look what the Bible says. Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew's brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. It's interesting to me that we know for sure four of the twelve disciples and possibly and probably seven of the twelve disciples were fishermen. Common men, just people. The Bible says in verse 19, And he saith unto them, Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. Jesus chose to use fishermen to become apostles. Jesus promises, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. No talent required. No talent required. God makes you what you need to be. How many of you have ever had this thought? I had it for years when people talked about soul winning. Scare me to death. Scare me to death. The thing about pounding on somebody's door and talking to them about their soul. Do you know what makes it easier? Following Christ. Because when you follow Christ, He'll make you a fisher of men. Not, you should still knock on doors, but I'll tell you what happens. When you follow Christ, He makes you a fisher of men and you find yourself winning souls everywhere you go. You'll meet up with opportunity day in and day out and day in and day out because God uses His followers to change the lives of other people. I will make you. God used them. Some notable characteristics of fishermen. What kind of people does God make into fishers of men? Busy, hardworking, courageous, patient, cooperative, willing to learn, People with attitude, the right attitude, put forth effort, honest. God uses fishermen. For this very reason, I'm encouraged because that means that God could use me. He says, I will make you. You say, I don't know what to say. Follow me, I'll make you know what to say. I don't know what to do. Follow me, I will make you know what to do. Follow me, I will make you adequate for the task that I call you to. Isn't it wonderful? I will make you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I will make you. Finally, number three, fishers of men. In this passage of Scripture, Jesus makes it very plain what his emphasis is. Verse number 17, the Bible says, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why did he do that? Because he wanted to scare them? He wasn't like the kind of guy that's hiding around the corner saying, boo, just because he wanted to get a reaction out of somebody. Jesus was telling people to repent because the kingdom of heaven was at hand, and they needed to get saved. Their repentance, needed, they needed to admit that they were sinners, and that they needed the Lord, and they couldn't pay their own way to heaven, and they would notice soon that Jesus was the Savior. Why was he preaching repentance? Because... He loved people. Verse number 23. 
And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. Why was he teaching, preaching, and healing? Because he loved the people. Verse 24, His fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments. And those people which were possessed with devils and those people which were lunatic and those people that had the palsy, he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis and from Jerusalem and from Judea and from beyond Jordan. What was the emphasis? People, 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 people. What did Jesus want? Why did Jesus come to earth? He said, I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. He wanted to impact the lives of people. And I'll just tell you something. I have a burden for people. I have a burden for people. And there are people everywhere that need the Lord. There are people everywhere that need encouragement from a church just like this one. Kingsport is a needy area and there's all kinds of people that need Faithful followers of Christ. And I don't know about you, but how many of you watch a missionary video and it stirs your heart and you want to see what God can do and help you to become a part of being a fisher of men? I don't know about you, but I see people in Walmart and I'm, con- I'm burdened about their souls and I say, Lord, I want to be a fisher of men. I can never be a fisher of men until first I've become a follower of Christ. And when I become a follower of Christ, He will make me a fisher of men. There is no greater picture of this principle than the very man that Jesus stood and said, Hey, Peter, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. You see Him over here in the boat? Leather-like skin. The biggest audience He's ever had is His brother. Rough and tumble. A little bit boisterous. You know, that's Peter. He was bad to speak out before he thought up. Peter, you remember Peter? Jesus says, hey Peter, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Peter's like, alright. He followed him. Did he follow him perfectly? No. Did he follow him? Yes. He followed him. Somewhere along the lines of three years, he followed him. As he followed him, he learned and he grew. And he became able God made him what he ought to be. Because that fisherman in about three years who never preached a message, was not a Bible scholar, on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter number 2, he stands up and he preaches. And when he preaches, power of God falls on the place. 3,000 people get saved. That Peter, what did he do? Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. It's not just a few days later that Peter and John are on their way to the temple to pray. As they go on the way to the temple to pray, there's a lame man at the temple gate. He's never walked. He's been there for years. Peter with compassion looks at him and says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. What happened? The old man went walking and leaping and praising God right through the temple. If you'd told Peter, I want you to have this conversation. 
Andrew's sitting on the other side of the boat. Peter, in three years, you are going to be going by the temple. You know that lame guy's been sitting there for years? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In three years, you're going to go by him and you're going to reach your hand out and you're going to say, silver and gold have you none, but such as I have given out of the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Who's Jesus Christ of Nazareth? Can you imagine Andrew telling him, this is what's going to happen? And some of you are here right now and you think, there's no way that God will ever use me to change that life. But I'll have you know something. If you'll become a follower of Christ, He will make you a fisher of men. And it may not be a lame man at the temple gate, but I'll just tell you something. God works miracles through people who follow Him and put their trust in Him and depend on Him and have the power of God on their lives. That lame man goes walking, leaving, praising God through the temple. A big crowd of people who knew him. They said, what in the world happened? A multitude of people gather around. The old fisherman that followed Jesus, he stands up and he preaches. 5,000 people get saved. A little bit later in his ministry, he pins under the inspiration of God, First and Second Peter. He gives his life as a martyr for the cause of Christ. And he's been kicking up gold dust for more than 2,000 years. God blessed the life of Peter. Why? Because he followed Christ. He followed Christ. I want you to know something. We've messed up making our emphasis the goal. Making our emphasis the need. Making our emphasis... Helping the hurting. You see, we'll help the hurting effectively and eternally if first we'll follow Christ. What did Jesus say? It's real simple, isn't it? He said, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. I can't help but think that the very burden, the person that's burdening your soul the thing they need more than anything is for you to be a follower of Christ. It's amazing what God can do when you follow Christ. Follow me, I will make you fishers of men. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes?